Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one amorous page of Talmud each day. Why amorous? Because today's page, Kiddushin 3, asks the seminal question that has troubled our deepest thinkers throughout the ages. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. So what then is love? My late and great teacher and friend, Joan Connor, the former dean of Columbia School of Journalism, liked to point out that while we have entire academic departments dedicated to just about any permutation of human behavior you could possibly imagine, we have not, anywhere in this great big world, as far as I know, one single department dedicated to studying love, the most potent arguably of all human emotions, and the one, definitely, most directly associated with the very continuation of the species. Joan wrote about this at length, and she produced an amazing PBS documentary about it that you should totally watch. But on today's page, the rabbis deliver a beautiful answer of their own to the question, what is love? As Tractate Kiddushin began, remember yesterday's episode? we learned an important lesson about why the Talmud was using the language it chose to address marriage and the marriage contract. From where do we derive that betrothal is accomplished by means of giving money? The Talmud asked us in yesterday's page, and then it delivers an amazing answer. It is derived by means of a verbal analogy between the term expressing taking, stated with regard to betrothal, and from the term expressing taking with regard to the field of Ephron. How so? It is written here with regard to marriage, when a man takes a woman, Deuteronomy 24.1. And it is written there concerning Abraham's purchase of the field of the cave of Machpelah from Ephron the Hittite. I will give money for the field. Take it from me. Genesis 23.13. This verbal analogy teaches that just as Ephron's field was acquired with money, so too a woman could be acquired with money, meaning a marriage contract must have monetary value. And this, friends, this right here is pure poetry. Why does the ketubah, the bill of marriage, indicate that the husband must pay the wife money? Because the same word, take, appeared in the Torah to discuss a man taking a woman as was used to describe Abraham's taking the field on which he built the cave of the patriarchs. Think about it. That famous mausoleum, burial place of all of our avot and imahot, all of our fathers and mothers, the righteous ones in whose light we walk, is the inspiration for the marriage contract we each sign when we find the one we love. I'll take it even further. Jewish mystical tradition teaches us that the cave of the patriarchs, Me'arat HaMachpelah in Hebron, is really none other than the entrance to that old mysterious spot, the Garden of Eden, and that we can find Adam and Eve buried there too. So Judaism really uses the same language to describe a marriage contract, that loaded word, take, that it used to describe the acquisition of the closest place we have on earth to heaven itself. How's that for symbolism? Just as Abraham took the field and built a resting place for the ages in the spot nearest to earthly perfection, so too do we 
when we take a husband or a wife, are engaged in building a legacy for our family for generations to come, creating a union of two people that is the nearest thing we've got to getting back to that perfect idyllic garden. It's so beautiful. It's so tender. It's so poetic that naturally, today's page of Talmud has no choice but stomping it out. Have a listen. Although a woman can be betrothed by means of money or an item of monetary value, she is not betrothed if she is given an item by symbolic exchange. The Gemara explains why this needs to be excluded. It might enter your mind to say that since the sages derived the acquisition of a woman by verbal analogy between the term expressing taking stated with regard to betrothal from the term expressing taking with regard to the field of Ephron, it can be suggested that just as a field can be acquired through symbolic exchange, so too a woman can be acquired through symbolic exchange. Therefore, the Tanah teaches us that this is not the case. Wow, that beautiful bit about the field, in other words, yeah, it only goes so far, the Talmud tells us. Because a field may be acquired by symbolic exchange, but human beings signing a contract that binds their lives together? Not so much. Kiddushin 2, yesterday's page, gave us a love fest for the ages. Like Mr. Darcy telling Elizabeth how ardently he loves and admires her, or like Lloyd Dobler holding up that boombox and blasting a Peter Gabriel song outside Diane's window. It's a grand romantic gesture for the ages indeed, and Kiddushin 3, our page today, steps in to remind us that grand romantic gestures for the ages are fine for movies or novels and really are necessary to continue and inspire us, but that for love to grow, it must shed all traces of symbolism and concern itself with far more mundane earthly matters. How much money would we need to live? Who does the dishes? Who picks the kids up from soccer practice? How much should we spend on that beachside rental for the summer? And whose family should we spend Thanksgiving with this year? These aren't inspiring or inspired questions. They are depleted of any and all symbolism. They are as real as the language of contracts, something best negotiated by lawyers, not lovers. But they are, the rabbis remind us today, the very foundation of true love. First comes the spark, then the promise of ever after, and then, before we know it, reams and reams and reams of fine print and tiny arguments about bottom lines and deadlines. Which truly is what makes love so magnificent, so magical, really. It's not a flash in the pan. It is, as the rabbis know, our only engine of survival. And so when we tend to it, we must have both Kiddushin 2 and Kiddushin 3 in our toolbox. We must apply big, symbolic gestures to kindle desire and affection and passion and commitment and build this thing that it is as close as we could get to heaven right here on earth. And then we must reject exactly the same sort of symbolic gesture to remember that love really is kept afloat by never-ending negotiations. Let's hope we're also lucky to find it and keep it for as long as we live.
This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, please go and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts and get your Take One t-shirts and mugs at tabletstudios.com. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Daf Yomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Rusquet, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnik, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramucci, Courtney Hazlett, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one. Subscribe to our newsletter at tabletm.ag slash take one newsletter or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic.